Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Final hours here, OutKick 360 across the OutKick network from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. A lot happening here in downtown Nashville at the NHL playoffs coming back here for the weekend. Predators take on the Colorado Avalanche. Avs lead that series 2-0. If you're looking for a little edge uh, to jump on, I'm not saying that FanDuel doesn't know this yet, but we, I believe we're going to see the backup goaltender again for the Preds in Game 3. I don't think UC Saros is going to be playing. Oh, So um, you can jump on board with that he was only ruled out for the first two games of the series he's likely out for game three as well outkick 360 don't you think uh, he's out for the series uh potentially but they haven't said that i I, i'm not going to pretend that i follow every nhl playoff series that closely um but i cannot recall a time where it looked like one team was an nhl team the other one was a minor league team in a playoff series the way people treat it but yeah yeah. I mean, and honestly, the way the, the, the Preds had their one chance, I think, at a win uh, last night, uh, the way they got, the way they played, uh, Ingram played in net. But, I mean, they still were outshot by what, triple? He made 40. <laughs> the amount of shots. I mean, they were getting peppered and not getting much at all on the offensive end. It was still just a total disproportionate game based on score. He made 47 saves. He missed the first one and he missed the last one. I mean, it, it's crazy to hear, you know, a lot of what I feel like is moral victory talk in a playoff series. This isn't the worst team in hockey. This is a team that qualified for the playoffs playing another playoff team. It's crazy. Brent Hubbs joins us. FallQuest.com is the website. Time to talk SEC, Tennessee headlines, and much, much more. Brent, good to see you as always. Hope things are well. Yeah, I hope things are well for you guys in, in the mid-state. Hope everybody's staying safe. I know some storms rolling through the state, so everybody be careful out there. And uh, we'll see what happens here in, in hockey. We'll see what happens in college <laughs> athletics and college baseball. Yeah. Uh, as the world turns, that, that, is the, uh, that is college athletics, it seems like. Give us your perspective, Brent, because Tennessee has been on the forefront. They jumped right into NIL, as did other programs. But when I see the headline that, that there are ADs who want to retroactively go back and, and look at sanctions against programs and, and try to figure out rules violations, is the cat out of the bag to the point where you roll your eyes at that for, as, as someone who covers uh, a, a, an institution that, that was willing to go in and take advantage of rules that were in place or not in place for name, image, likeness? I just don't know how you retroactively punish anybody. I mean, how far are you going to take that back? So is everybody in Texas A&M's class who participated <laughs> in NIL, is, are they going to be retroactively punished? 
Um, is it just people who are committed now? Is it retroactive for the last 10 months? Is it retroactive to May 1st? Is it retroactive to, I mean, when's it retroactive to? And, and I think how do you go back and say, hey, this was legal when you did it, but now we're saying it's illegal and you can't do it and we're going to punish it for you. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, obviously there are people of note and people of of power who have concerns over NIL. That's not surprising. I think all of us said uh, from the get-go, this is not what the NCAA had in mind with, with NIL. Uh, but but how do you go back and, and change something retroactively? I, I, I just don't know the answer to that. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now about uncommitted players coming in to play, um, and, and, and that's the problem that everybody has. They have yet to discuss what's going on with NIL and the transfer portal, which is nothing but a bargaining tool in the transfer portal right now. Basically, you have one job and you can decide to go to another job and get a raise if you want to. Is that going to be a pass? Is everybody going to get a free pass on that? Um, you know, there's just a lot of questions. Obviously, the NCAA and the people in the meetings are leaking out information uh, to, to direct kind of their narrative and, and their talking points out there right now. We'll see where it goes in the next two weeks. NCAA about to try to give Tennessee and Miami the death penalty based on <laughs> retroactive uh, stuff that they're putting into place now. Uh, Brent Hubbs from VolQuest.com is our guest. Brent, the, the issue that I see with all of this is you know, the NCAA is coming back and saying the, the wording is weird when they say retroactive because this rule was always in place. It's just people pushing for them to enforce it that boosters can't get involved with luring someone to their program. But my question would be, when the Supreme Court rules they can get NIL money, now is the NCAA going to counter and say, well, they can get money, but not from these people, not from business owners that graduated from that school or that support that university. There's just too much murkiness there, I feel like, to be able to dictate who can give NIL money if the courts decide to get involved. So... I guess what's next now for the NCAA when they figure that part of it out? Well, I think that's the million-dollar question right now because here, here's the one thing that you have to, to factor in, too, is the collectives. The collectives are a big business, okay? You don't think they're going to lawyer up? I mean, you know, those are LLCs. Those are 50-whatever-Cs. I mean, you know, the, the, these are not just some fly-by-night bunch of guys got in a room at a bar smoking cigars and said, Hey, let's all throw some money in at somebody. I mean, these are legitimate, legitimate businesses. And so how is the NCAA going to differentiate? You know, I mean, the school's not involved in this. It's the collective. So is the NCAA going to go after a collective? Uh, and, and if that's the case, they better be ready for a fight. Cause I would imagine the collectives are going to fight back differently than a member institution uh, w w would ever come back towards the NCAA on stuff. So I, I, again, murkiness is a great word, um, and, and I don't even know if that – I mean, it, it's probably more than murky in, in terms of where it's out there right now. I mean, it, it's hard to see what it's going to be. It's clear it's a topic that's not going away. It's clear that there are people who are pushing for change and pushing to put some parameters, guardrails, if you will, uh, around the NIL um, procedure. We'll see what those look like. Again, I think the bigger question is how do you go back and do something that, that was legal at the time or in place at the time, and how do you come back now and say it's illegal? But based on what? A collective giving money to someone? I mean, it's not like they're taking direct check from a booster that way. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that 
you got you got a different type of business involved in this than just a member institution and the NCAA. So Greg Sankey is on the transformation committee. Two of the things that they've raised, no more partial scholarships and no more caps on the size of coaching staffs. Let's unravel the two of those. What's the purpose of those? Who gets killed by it? Who gets helped by it? Uh, No more partial scholarships would kill Vanderbilt baseball to a degree, right? No, it would level the playing field. It wouldn't kill baseball. It would level the Vanderbilt playing field. Now, Tim Corbin's got a great reputation. I don't think suddenly people are – I don't think the only reason people went to Vanderbilt was because there was a scholarship advantage. It would level the playing field and hurt them. It would take away their their advantage. I think NIL's taken away some of their advantage, too. If a college baseball program has used NIL the right way, that that limits some of their advantage there. Um, who does it hurt to answer your question? It, it hurts programs around the country that don't, that don't have big budgets. Um, and, and it, and it helps the, the rich get wealthier and, um, in the conference where it just means more and there's money flowing everywhere, you know, no cap on the number of coaches you can have. You're not going to be able to match that at, at a, at a, you know, a, a colonial American conference school or at a Memphis or, um, at some other schools like that, you're probably not going to have the financial means to do what they're doing at Alabama. You don't have the financial means to do that right now. You're not paying your football coach $8 million at those schools. So um, it, it creates further separation with the power teams and the power conferences versus the other conferences. And I don't, I'm not sure the commissioner uh, has any kind of issue with, with that at all. And uh, we'll see what this thing looks like in, in this transformation committee kind of what they come up with and, and, and where it is uh, and all the discussions that are going to take place in conference meetings. There's a lot of jockeying going on. Um, there's a lot of discussion on, on money and uh, those who have it are ready to spend it. And those who don't have it are going to be in a bad way because they can't spend it. Yeah. Never mind separating the SEC from everybody else. Uh, I mean, wouldn't a cap, no cap on coaches further distance Alabama and maybe Georgia and A&M from from everybody else in the SEC? I mean, a B SEC school isn't going to keep up with Nick Saban on coaching staff. Uh, exactly. I mean, and again, uh, w- these are just things that have been leaked out, floated out there as possible changes. We'll, we'll see what it really gets into, much the same way the stuff that's being leaked out now about NIL reform, what becomes reality, what doesn't become reality. Um uh, all those, you know, all those questions re- remain to be seen a- out there moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly doesn't appear like they want that. Some people don't want to limit anybody from from spending the amount of money they want to spend. And obviously, in this league, everybody's spending as much money as they have, and in some cases, probably more money than they do have. So we had the Big Orange Caravan come through here at 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, last week. Brent had a chance to talk with Kelly Harper, with Rick Barnes, with Josh Heupel, with Danny White. And specifically our conversation with Danny White, I came away from that conversation thinking, boy, Tennessee's in a really good spot with someone who has their eyes wide open about the uncertainty of the future of college sports, but also a willingness to lean into that uncertainty and to go where it goes, and is not stuck in any one way of doing things. Uh, you Knowing Danny White, knowing his vision, what he wants to accomplish at Tennessee, do you agree that Tennessee's in a really good spot in an uncertain time in college sports because of the brain leading the athletic department? 
Well, I think he has a great awareness um, and a solid awareness to where things are and where things may or may not be going moving forward. I do think this. I think he probably he inherited a better situation from a non-business standpoint, from a competitive competition standpoint. He probably gets then probably is given credit for. He's not had to mess with the spring sports. He's not had to mess with the non-revenue sports. Fix football is the challenge, and that's what he's been working on. But I do think there's an awareness there. Um, you can't go out and just break ground on ten new buildings, you know, because you don't know where your funding's going to be, because what what is going to be allowed and not going to be allowed with NIL, and if NIL is going to be, you know, where it's at right now, and there's not this massive reform that people are talking about, um, you're you're going to be battling donors. For, for and fans who were given to NIL collectives versus given to building you know brick and mortar on your campus and, and I think that there is an awareness to that uh, by this administration led by Danny White I think they're smart about those things um, and, and so I think that they have a um, long range approach to stuff and, and understanding that there there may have to be some pivots depending on what this transformation committee comes back and says and depending on what. Uh, some of this reform is going to be out there. What it looks like today, it may look nothing like that in a month. And uh, that's the world we're living in in college athletics. And, and if you're kind of setting your ways, you may get yourself in trouble. And, and I think Danny White understands that. And I think that's why you see him with a pretty open mind uh, in all the conversations you have with him and the questions you ask him. Well, a lot of the discussion, uh, Brent, about NIL, transfer portal, and all of it, we know that Sankey's on Capitol Hill. Uh, when the SEC spring meetings roll around, that's when we really get a sense of where we're headed with all this, right? And, and uh, how, how vocal do you think the ADs will be compared to Commissioner Sankey and all this? Will, will they just defer to the commissioner, or do you think Danny White will lend a voice to all this? Because we haven't really heard from him. You know, COVID has thrown a wrench in all this with everything that goes on in Destin every year. What do you anticipate from the individual institutions in the SEC? Oh, well, I think university presidents and university ADs are, are certainly going to have a say and are certainly going to be vocal in this. Uh, I, I don't think there's uh, – I think they would be foolish not to be um, and, and to not to have a very open, honest dialogue about everything going out there. I, I do get a little bit of uh, – you know, I hear this term unsustainable – uh, all the time mentioned in regards to NIL, right? With the money that's being thrown out there is unsustainable. Well, is it is it sustainable to be pl- paying a bunch of fired coaches, um, large number of buyouts, you know, ridiculous buyouts that these ADs and these agents sign off on? It's sustained itself through that without any difficulty. So I think we have to be careful with, with the fact that the, the answer being, well, you just can't sustain it financially. Well, um, there've been a lot of places sustaining paying a bunch of people not to work and, and they've still been gone out and paid a bunch of money for the next guy to come in and replace the guy who they're paying not to work. So I, I think you have to have some real honest dialogue and look at some things. Um, you know, th- this is a pretty polarizing issue, but because you, you you have some people, um, pretty hardcore on both sides of the fence in this. And if you're an AD and a president, uh, you want to throw all the cards on the table and, and be very open and honest because this is going to paint a direction in college athletics. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people assume that this discussion has been going on behind closed doors for a while. And, and I mean, it has, but it's been over a Zoom call, right? Like the, this will be the first time uh, in a long time that we've had all of these uh, people in the same room together. 
uh, I mean, last year, last June is whenever the Supreme Court ruling came out. That was well after any of those meetings took place. Um, and that was all done virtually. I mean, if we're seeing Colorado and, and um, their AD George there speaking out on this on behalf of the Pac-12, I mean, there will be a split decision on this within the SEC with the haves and the have-nots and, and who feels like who's benefiting the most from all this. People will be pointing at A&M and then pointing at Kiffin at Ole Miss who's complaining about it. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, it'll be heated discussions. And, and, and again, I, I think it has to be – I mean, there's no way you're going to get everybody over to the side go, hey, vote the way I go on this deal. I mean, right. you know, everybody's going to have an opinion on this thing. Uh, Zoom call or non-Zoom call, here's the biggest thing. I mean, this we're 10 months into this thing, and this is not what people had envisioned when, when this was all passed. Um, I, I don't think anybody saw the amounts of money that, that, that are out there. Um, I don't think anybody saw it being, um, when I say anybody, I mean, presidents and ADs, I don't say, I don't think they saw it being the recruiting, uh, enhancement that, that it has become. Uh, and, and again, I, I think it's affecting the transfer portal every mu- every bit as much, if not more than it's affecting, affecting high school recruiting. I don't think that's talked about a lot, but, uh, I, I think all of those things are on the forefront because what you have is in, in all these conferences is you have, you have veteran coaches, um, who, who have done it a certain way for a long time, who are very strong in their opinions on things. You have some other coaches who are a little more open-minded to things. You have some ADs more open-minded than you do others. And you have some presidents who, who, who are, you know, maybe not as caring about it as some other presidents are caring about it. So I think there's going to be a wide range of opinions, not just in the SEC, uh, but around college athletics. And, and this this further shows the concern that you have in college athletics is what the SEC's viewpoint is going to be coming out of their spring meetings may be vastly different than the Big 12 or the Big 10. So if you get away from the NCAA, which is what people have talked about for a while, let's let the college football playoff committee run Power 5. Well, who's going to be in charge? Who's going to run those things? We had this conversation on the show a couple of weeks ago. I still think that's a big question because everybody's got a different opinion. So what you're going to create is you're going to create some gridlock and you're never going to vote somebody in to be in charge of it because you think that guy is always going to be biased towards one place or the other. It's going to be very hard to get a leadership team moving forward, uh, and I think it's going to be hard to get a president moving forward for the NCAA. So lots of changes, lots of unknowns that have a lot of people concerned uh, about the direction of college athletics in a variety of different ways. Brent, you mentioned Transfer Portal. Let's talk about Transfer Portal with Tennessee. A uh, couple of additions this past week. Let's start on offense. Brew McCoy, former number one overall receiver in the country, transfers from USC to Tennessee. How much better is that receiver room now with Brew McCoy in it? Well, he's a terrific talent. He's got to go out and produce, and it's been a journey for him. I mean, we all know the story. He was at USC, then he went to Texas for a hot minute, then he came back to USC uh, first year playing, he had 21 catches, which is not a bad year. Then um, didn't play this past year, had the situation at USC that was dropped. And Tennessee has spent a lot of time uh, vetting um, him and looking at things. But there's no doubt that he is a, a real talent. And Tennessee needs a guy opposite Cedric Tillman on the outside. Brew McCoy certainly fits that bill. Tennessee's supposed to have another transfer receiver in for a visit this weekend, and Jalen Robinson from UCF, who knows Josh Heupel very well, he would fit the bill on the outside. So it looks like Tennessee feels like coming out of spring practice, 
they need some help there. They, Brew McCoy was done before spring practice was over, in my opinion. I, I think that was you know, a matter of time. He wanted to get through things at USC. But Tennessee taking a look at a guy that they know very well, and Robinson from UCF tells me they're trying to upgrade that position, and we know the significance of that position in football, certainly in Josh Heupel's offense. And then when you look at, I think, 17 or 19 receivers taken in the first three rounds of the NFL draft, receivers are priorities. Yeah, and defensive back a priority for Tennessee also, and they add a local Nashville kid, Andre Turrentine, from Innsworth, uh, transferring from Ohio State to Tennessee. Didn't play at Ohio State, Brent, but what's the upside with Turrentine in that secondary? Well, he was in a log jam at Ohio State. I mean, that, you know, when you look at the depth chart, it, it was going to be hard for him. There were veteran guys in front of him who were good players. They had guys come back for COVID years. He was going to play this fall and be in a rotation, but he was going to play behind some guys. And I think he wanted to start, uh, not to start on the field, but he wanted a new start and a better opportunity. I think everybody you talk to at Ohio State believes the guy can play. Um, I, I think he can play. Tennessee needs depth. Tennessee needs a nickel guy, you know, potentially a safety. If Flowers plays nickel, who's plays safety? Where are they at corner? They don't have enough bodies in the secondary. And so when he came available in the transfer portal, Tennessee went to work very quickly once he was in the portal to try to get that done. And um, and, and he wanted to come back home and, and play in his home state. And I, I think it's a good gift for Tennessee. Brent Hubbs, VolQuest.com, the very latest on Tennessee athletics. On the way out, Brent, what's the what's the latest with the renovations at Neyland? Everything still on 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 pace for where they thought they'd be come fall? Yeah, they are. Um, you know, the 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 party deck in the north end zone is going to be done. It's moving along really well. We've got actually a picture, an updated picture on on the website in the war room that we had today. Kind of gives you a feel for how big it's going to be. And, and then on those uh, west side club seats, they're going to be done and fully functional. I don't know that they'll have all the pictures on the walls and they'll have all the full decor that they will end up having or the lipstick on it, if you will, uh, completely dressed out. Um, but it'll be fully functional. That's always been the plan. I think they'll continue to do some work during the uh, off weeks and the uh, away game weeks to continue to dress that out during the fall. But right now, everything is on pace to be complete uh, in terms of functionality for the fall and, and ready to go with those two projects. And then we'll see what projects Danny White's got on his mind next for that stadium over the course of the next three to five years. I don't think you're going to see anything big in the works uh, this upcoming offseason, but maybe some some stuff that has to get done for later work uh, for big projects. I think you'll probably see a little bit of that going on this offseason. Brent, have a great weekend, man. We appreciate the time. Tell Austin we said hello if he's on the golf course or wherever he may be. <laughs> He's, if he's on the golf course, he's he's waiting for the rain to play through. He's, okay. he's sitting under a clubhouse or under a roof somewhere watching it rain. <laughs> but uh, I will certainly pass that along. Good to catch up with you guys, right. and we'll talk Thanks. to you next week, okay? Yep. Sounds good. Those pictures there. Uh, of the stadium look uh, – all of a sudden, it shows me a new scope somehow. Yeah, the upper deck end zone party deck is going to be the biggest Big. adjustment for the site of Neyland Stadium when that, that's done. It's going to look very the different. scoreboard with it. Yep. Impressive. The NFL schedule release is just around the corner, and it's not just going to be a news dump on Wednesday and then Thursday, but they're pacing this out. We'll explain when we'll find the announcement about the announcement for next week. That's, that's all coming up on OutGig360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. 
a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The full NFL schedule will be released May 12th, so next Thursday. May the 12th, but and I, the details are vague here. On Monday, by the time we go on the air, we will likely have some of ESPN's games for Monday Night Football. The slow leak. On, and, and it doesn't say which games. It just says on May 9th, ESPN will announce some of their games. Monday. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Monday night, I think. Um, on Tuesday... CBS will then announce some of their their games. Fox gets their turn on Wednesday, May 11th. And then Thursday rolls around where you have the full schedule release. All the crap games. Um, NBC, though, is not the crap game. NBC will announce their Sunday night football game um, on Thursday. That's the game of the week. And then all teams announce their first home game on May 12th. So... Well, it's not the full schedule. The full schedule comes out that night, that night. But by then, you'll be able to piece everything together based on a the lot. networks. Because you already know the home and away. Well, if and your team's any good, you'll know four or five because most of the primetime schedule, it sounds like, would be out. No, right? I just, no, CBS and Fox will already announce theirs, too. Well, I don't think they're announcing their whole thing. I think they're announcing their highlights. Uh, they, would, have, they have weekly games, though. I know, but it wouldn't make sense for them to release their whole schedule. They're holding something more than NBC's thing for an NFL network special on Thursday. I don't know what Fox and and CBS would be announcing then. I think they'll be announcing the highlights of their schedule. Great, great. Their best games. Like three or four of their biggest games? Yeah. And when? Their best doubleheader game kind of stuff. On week three, it's Houston and Jacksonville. They got to be dripping and dropping it. Look, I mean, I, I find it laughable too, but the fact of the matter is people will be any game they can find out any day. They'll be sure. going do, crazy. Do we, do so we they like, turn this into a week-long festival? That's great. Do we like the uh, slow drip no. news announcement, or would you like all of it at once? And then that's just a lot more to dissect all at once. Well, too. they've given us the international games. I mean, I don't have a problem if you give us the – the season opener, uh, you know, a, a couple. But let's see how they do it. If they do too much, then you take away the thunder of the Thursday night, and the Thursday I, night should be a big deal. I just think it's also um, – If there's going to be it, a It's big a big to-do, uh, and I, I understand why, and they've done a great job with it. But typically for most football fans, it's find your team, thoroughly dissect the entire schedule. You go through and you mentally check W or L what did they get on every game. Time. You look at where the buy is, prime time, you're going to discuss that. And then really, what are we doing? You're mentally sprinkling in, boy, this is a great matchup here. This is a nice prime time matchup. Look at this game in week seven. Holidays. Yeah, you're, you're looking at that. And it's not, I don't know. I don't, the way I consume, we love the word consume. The way I consume the NFL schedule you is not to go week one, week two, week three, no. week four, and look at every matchup. Team by team. Mark. I'm going team, and then I'm looking at, oh, here's the, the primetime games in these weeks, the ones that really pop. I think Typically. most people do that. I, I, and I think, you know, 
season opener, Christmas, they're going to be three games. What's the Thanksgiving night game? Stuff yeah, like that. I mean, by the Sunday time you run, run through all that and you get the Sunday night games, you yeah. have the Thursday night on it's Amazon. I mean, you're, you're left with just the, for lack Jaguars. of a better word, the, <laughs> just the regional games that are just leftovers from the rest of the in, network. In a lot of ways, yeah. The, the, the leftovers meaning it matters to those markets, but those networks are fulfilling their contract. By, I, by that's <laughs> why I don't think that they'll let it get too thin where Thursday feels like it's not an event still. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Thursday is the, the only intrigue by the time Thursday rolls around will be which of the games will be the Sunday night game of the week. And, which the, are fir- and the first games. home game. Like but, the teams get to announce their first home game. That's the unveil is – are you at home week one or week two, and who's your opponent and where are you playing? That's, that's really the big the biggest, unveil. The biggest. And, uh, and, and that Sunday night lets you know how much you're on prime the other time because that's the, the prime time the, slot the, you want. The thing that I really thought was catching on, and I think it, it was, um, and I think this takes away from it, is teams were having individual schedule announcements. They would use a celebrity uh, to announce you know, certain – Aspect like uh, Post Malone. Video, Post Malone yeah. delivered the schedule as the postman to Jerry Jones in Dallas, right? And he's got the full unveil of their season schedule. That's cool, and it's it's individual to every market. Um, this makes that much more less likely to happen. Well, I think right? teams will still do them, but a couple of those games are going to be dated when they yeah. put it out on Thursday. Once the but whole thing's out, it's a competition now. Oh yeah. Like you cannot be outshined. Back. You you got to come up with something creative and or huge star power in how you unveil your schedule. I think it the, could the, rate the as the biggest social been, media thing for a team now. The gauntlet has been thrown yeah. down to where you've got to come big with that schedule announcement for individual teams. I we got some friends waving I, in here. Just I don't know everyone. if it makes sense to go big anymore though, because you're not breaking. It's not like a, a reach to me. You're not retweeting it as much because it, the news is already out. Well, Here, here's where I stand on well that. Anyway. Here's where I stand on that. All of these teams employ a social media department and a video department. What are they doing if they're not going big for this? Yeah, it should like, be great. This is where you go big. Like they just you, went big for the draft. You are an NFL team. Go big for all of it. Any opportunity you get. You get a long offseason content, content. in the NFL. When content, and when you get go. a chance to have great content, deliver great con- content. To me, if I'm an NFL team, this is a great test for these social media departments to come but, up with good ideas. But my point is the, the league has taken away a lot of the, the pop and well, sizzle to this for your social media teams yeah, that you're employing. It's not about breaking news. It's about having a good show. Dressing it up. It's about dressing it up and, and showing well for your organization to where you're going to come back and say, oh, these are the three that really jumped out to me of creative and or big celebrity reveals for what you did. Uh, best from the draft, we never hit on this, was the Rams. The, the, the Rams video that they put out, uh, which was just a massive movie trailer where they had Aaron Donald and Matthew Stafford and others, um, it was how they were going to blow up the draft because they said F them picks. It was and very good. The very whole, whole buildup on the, the movie trailer was uh, – and it looked like a movie I would go watch. Like, it was very well done by Hollywood. But like, is this going to come out before or after Top Gun Maverick? Because I'd watch both before. when I watched that trailer. Top yeah, Gun before. Maverick's never coming out. Yeah. 
It's coming out. It's coming out this month. It's not even film. It's not even film. I think it's May twenty seventh. A few weeks from now, it'll be out. I'll I'll be there. I feel like that movie's been out for like four years now. (laughs) We're just now getting around to watch. What if we all go out to the theater on the opening weekend and watch it and just like subconsciously all say to ourselves, you know, we've seen this before. I think this movie's actually been pieced out yeah. with clips and trailers over Claire, the year, and we've actually seen the whole movie. Claire was asking me a question a about it the other night. She was like, so this is the plot line? I'm like, I guess. Like I, I read about this three years ago, and I have... We did interviews I'm, about so it. So yeah. I think that when you have like a big legacy picture like this, that, you know, it's a movie that most people have seen, like Top Gun, and you come back so many years later with a sequel, it's very easy to go, okay, let's find Goose's son, right, who's dead, and now you know Maverick's going to train... Those things are easy, but you want it, right? Like Iceman's going to be in this movie. I want Val Kilmer as Iceman in this movie. There are easy setups you can have. Then there are things in a sequel that seem too dumb and easy. Let me give you an example. In Creed, which is a great sequel to the Rocky movies that got some Academy Award acclaim. Ladies and gentlemen. Creed. <laughs> Creed. <laughs> Scott Stamp. You didn't do it all the way. Do it all the way. Creed. Ladies and gentlemen, Creed. So uh, Michael B. Jordan, great. Sylvester Stallone, great. Got nominated. I think Sylvester Stallone did for a supporting actor. But it was a, a totally original, you know, it was obviously Apollo Creed's son. But the, the, the nemesis, the fighter at the end, totally new. Creed two. All right, what do we go to now? Ivan Drago's son. The Russian son and Ivan Drago, right? So they're going to remake the whole series. No, 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 no. Get ready. So a little bit cheesy, right? And you're thinking, okay, but you're giving the fans of Rocky IV and the Rocky series exactly what they want because Dolph Lundgren comes back to train his son. His daughter. And there's this whole backstory. (laughs) And Dolph Lundgren, yeah. His daughter takes on... And now we go into the mixed martial arts film and his daughter's a fight. No. There's no Cold War anymore. But Dolph Dolph Lundgren was actually pretty good. I mean, the acting was good in this follow-up and everything that happened to him. He got completely thrown out by his communist country uh, because he lost. So this latest Creed, Creed three, Michael B. Jordan to direct. And guess who's going to be the nemesis? Clubber Lang's son. Mr. T's son from Rocky Three. Movie industry. Now your we, industry. we have jumped the shark at this point. Like Creed Two, young Ivan Drago, fine. You're telling me Mr. T's son now is going to be the big fighter that Apollo Creed's son is going to go up against in this movie? I mean, I think that we're we're now reaching a Then we're going to have one. Rambo where he comes back from the Persian Gulf. <laughs> well, it's also... Second I'm, blood. <laughs> I'm very skeptical because this is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. Is Creed Three? We feel he's qualified to direct. And his idea is, you know what we need to do? <laughs> Remake the whole series. Let's get Mr. T's son. <laughs> <laughs> is Mr. T alive? I think he's alive. Let's play a quick game of Dead or Alive. One I of our favorite trivia yeah, games. Mr. T's alive. Okay, then he's got to be in this picture. Is Willie Mays alive? Because there were celebrations of his birthday today, Can't and I be. thought he's dead. I don't know. That's a great question. We'll look it up. Uh, you you wanted to pull me in the dead or alive? Well, Mister T, Mister T has to appear as Clubber Lang in this movie. Mister T's got to be alive. That's got to happen in this movie. I may rethink my thoughts on this as an idea if he's a big part of this movie. No, if Mister T hasn't been in anything for twenty years and suddenly he's We've a big part of this movie. We've talked about the weakness of what comes out of Hollywood. There's so many remakes and such a lack of new new. Willie ideas. Mays is the oldest living Baseball Hall of Famer. Wow, he's ninety. Yeah. There you he was go. born in 1931. I was wrong. 
Pretty good. Also in uh, Creed 3, no Sylvester Stallone as Rocky. First one of these movies he will not appear in no, at come all. on. You can't do these movies without him. I agree. This movie's a mess. But I, I think... They've really Ryan, gone so astray. The, the original Creed was great. Ryan Coogler, the director, really good. Then he left to do the Black Panther movies, and he hasn't come back. And I think that's where you can get off track. When you have a truly good movie, when you come back with the reboot with a great director... And then that director goes on to bigger and better things, and then it's handed well, off to the star. Mr. T appears to, to be alive at he, the age of 69. He's alive, but the pure coincidence, yesterday his, his PR group had to put out uh, confirmation that whatever was going out was a hoax about his death. They were anticipating our on conversation? On May 5th. On Thursday, really? May 5th, the actor's reps officially confirmed that Mr. T is not dead. Way to go, Chad. Way to start this rumor that they've already nipped in the bud about it, his death. Uh, the, the rare Cinco de Mayo prank? Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know what happened. Um, he was wearing one of those nacho sombreros eating off of it. and then uh, That's a news story out there. So there you go, Chad. Oh, my. I've, Were you guys A-team people? I'm finding, I'm finding news about the possibility of Mr. T appearing in Creed Three. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Cinema Blend. I, I think, I think we teased this out, also because I need to read it, but it's seven things you must know about the Michael B. Jordan movie, Creed III. And when they say you, they mean you, Chad Winthrop. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm immediately sucked <laughs> into this. They don't mean me. I don't <laughs> need to know anything about it. I pity the fool that has to sit around and read, read this. Read that story. We pity you. Okay. <laughs> Coming up. Uh, we get you ready for a big sports weekend. and Oh, I've got big Creed 3 news also when we come back. <laughs> Creed 3, which apparently the plot's already been determined based on the previous Big two. Mr. Based T on, news when we come on, back. Based on Rocky 3. Yeah. Uh, A-team yeah. all over again. <laughs> That's coming up on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on Friday edition across the Outkick Network. If you're listening across the Upper Cumberland, Sports Radio 104.7, we say hello to you. Somo Sports Radio in Joplin, Missouri. Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Also in Huntsville, in Florence, Alabama. Glad you're with us. I'll be watching tomorrow Warriors and Grizzlies and just wanting to see if everything lives up to expectations based on what we've seen in games one and two. It has. I mean, when I say that, I mean, I know it's going to be a tight game. I want the competitive feel that these first two games have had, which is you could tune it at any time and be entertained by it, not feel like you're wasting your time waiting on the final five minutes of the game to roll around. That has not been the case in this series, and I think it continues to, to swing back and forth as they take the series to San Francisco. Yeah, and I do think that there is uh, an intrigue in the start of this game as opposed to just tuning into the very end because of the bad blood now building up in this series. I, I'm definitely going to be watching, and I uh, well, can't it, wait. And you lived up last, you know, the 
the ejection and the injury took place within the first three minutes of the game. Yep. Uh, Again, I, I think that's when you're going to have guys at their most emotional coming out of the gates where they're going to be remembering that previous game. Paul, are your Yankees lost yet? My Yankees uh, rained out. There are four or five baseball games already. Are they still winning out, though? Rained out. They won like ten. Yeah, in a row. no, they lost. They they're eleven and one in their last twelve. They just lost. So uh, got two chances tomorrow, uh, which we'll take. And uh, big Mother's Day weekend. So we'll see what's going on there. I, I I'm supposed to be on a Zoom with my mother while I'm taking my wife, my son's mother, out for Mother's Day. Complicated. Nice. It's always complicated. Poorly time. Mother's Day weekend is always a complicated time. Can be. Suns and Mavs coming up, 9.30 Eastern on ESPN. Suns are 5-0 and against Dallas, by the way. It's a 2-0 series. Suns are getting it done. Can I give you guys the update on Creed 3? That sure. That we promised? Yeah. Um, Jonathan Majors that you promised. is the actor. And um, all signs Johnny are pointing Majors, to him. I like to call him. Yeah, all signs are pointing. He's in Lovecraft Country on HBO. He played one of the Marvel, uh, the end of Loki, he appeared, and is going to be in the Marvel Universe as some villain coming up also. But he is, looks like he's going to be playing Clubber Lang's son. He also says he got punched 100 times in the face filming the final fight sequence for this movie. I don't know like if, that's too much. I don't know if that's um, true or just a really good marketing job for the realistic nature of the fight scene. Seems like they're supposed to be choreographing this so people don't get punched in the face, and well, the one or two it, would be you pull, you pull punches. Yes. Like they were, it, it talked about in the article how they're really good in these, these fights at actors that have done it before, like Michael B. Jordan. He knows how to pull the punch in the end. and get, He's not supposed to punch you, but get close enough to where you can pull it and it's not going to do much damage. Well, the way they do it is they, they lean into it so he'll, he'll rock back and forth into the punch for the actual scene itself three or four times. And then on the fourth one, when you time it up, you're not actually throwing a punch as much as you are going through a mannerism of the fist hitting the face. And then the actor who's getting hit hits the deck. It's the knockout scene. And then they just speed it up on film to make it look like uh, a guy was just rocked. But it's, it, he, rocks, he, he, he rocks himself into the fist more or less, right. and and, um, and you, they then take that and generate the the actual fight. It scene. took weeks to film the final fight, according to this. And our YouTube chat right now has been on fire lately, but they are on fire over this Creed three talk, and uh, they've got suggestions about other storylines, Paul. They'd they'd like to see in the movies. Where's Mickey's grandson? <laughs> they yeah. ask. How about Polly's next door neighbor? Yeah, they want to bring other people from the original Rocky Adrian's movies dog. to come back. Yeah, does does Adrian have a niece somewhere that could be a love interest, possibly of young Adonis Creed? Uh, so many different storylines that have just been left open over the years. Every relationship out of that sponge. Speaking of uh, storylines left open, uh, Sylvester Stallone has also written a series that he's pitching to Netflix and Apple Plus that is an origin story of Rocky. And it's going to be Rocky working as a leg breaker for the mob in Philly, where the, where the movie starts. So a young, he's obviously not playing Rocky, a very young version of Sylvester Stallone he's finally going working to let go for the, the mob in Philadelphia. He's finally going to let go which of the role? Which I think is a pretty good idea, honestly, as a series and not a movie. Here's the, here's the title of that, Young Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, what's the one you don't like that I'm watching? Tokyo Vice? That's a terrible name. That? That's a terrible name. 
It, it combines well, Tokyo Drift and Miami Vice. That's what I'm picturing the show as. I don't know. Chad, Chad Tokyo says I Drift like that Vice. show. So I'll, I need to try it I, out. I'll try it too, you, but it's a bad Paul, title. Paul, you won't stay awake because you've got to read during it because of the subtitles. So I don't think well, it'll keep you awake. What language is it in? Is it a favorite language? Uh, think about the title of it. <laughs> and then I'll go ahead and go uh, ahead. I thought maybe I'll, there's some I'll trickery. allow you to pull that question right back and then tell me what language you think it's yeah, in. Yeah, that was bad. It is, uh, it I is haven't in watched Japanese. much Japanese TV. I'm also impressed with the American actor Ansel Elgort, I think is his name. I guess pretty well known. But his Japanese is terrific. I mean, I'm like, is he fluent in Japanese before he took the part? Did he learn all this Japanese? But he's playing an American journalist that is fluent in Japanese, and probably 60% of his dialogue is in Japanese. I think you're turning Japanese. I and think you it's, like uh, it. I, it's impressive to me. Tough language to learn. Uh, I most, know because I've tried. The <laughs> most entertaining TV <laughs> like you can I watch know. is uh, the Johnny Depp trial uh, with, with Amber Heard Amber. right now. Sniffing. Outkick.com's got lead. updates for you yes. on this trial. Yeah, uh, the, the YouTube videos are just incredible. She with is all snorting this. She's in snorting the something. witness box. Yes. He's snorting something out of a napkin. There's the, definitely a sniff while, up and not a blowout. While testifying. Yeah. In, this, in this video. While testifying in the box. Uh, coming up, um, a guy that was known to be in the penalty box on Monday, Darren McCarty, former Detroit Red Wing, will be on the show. Also, Mike Pereira, who is the Fox Sports rules analyst. He's over all of the rules with the USFL. Beyond that, we'll talk uh, about the new officials coming into the NFL this fall. Mike Pereira will be on Monday. One show. of those officials is going to raise your ire just because <laughs> of whom he is the son of. Yeah, we'll leave you with that clip. Yeah, hang. It's uh, and it's not Rocky, <laughs> yeah. or Clubber Lang, His last or Mickey, not Balboa, or any of the Rocky characters. Have a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all of you out there. And we are back at it on Monday, same time, same place. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Outkick 360 daily, 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern, across the Outkick Network. We implore you, do not block the box, but be sure tonight and every night to lock your locks.